Palla dentro, il colpo di testa di Astori, il pareggio della Viola, 17 nella ripresa. So this goal was an equalizer scored by Fiorentina and Cagliari legend Davide Astori in a 5-4 victory for La Viola against Inter in the 2016-2017 season. The score sheet saw Avesino and Babacar Doppietta, of course an Astori goal, a Persic goal along with an Icardi hat-trick, remember that guy? Two points separated the sides at the end of the season, with Inter finishing in 7th and Fiorentina finishing in 8th. Milan had finished in 6th this season. Fiorentina were led by Paolo Sousa, while Inter were led by Stefano Pioli. Funnily enough, Pioli ended up joining Fiorentina the following season. On the 4th of March 2018, Davide Astori tragically passed in his sleep due to a cardiac arrest, I believe. Um, he was found by the Fiorentina staff in his hotel room. Typically, he would be the first one to go down for breakfast and everyone knew that something weird was going on when they went down and he wasn't there. He had a beautiful career starting off with Milan, spending seven years there and gaining fame at Cagliari and Fiorentina, who have since retired his number 13, which he had chosen in honour of his idol Alessandro Nesta. Stefano Pioli, who was his coach at the time, has one tattoo on his body and that's in honour of Davide Astori. He has DA13 tattooed on his wrist. Look, for, look out for it the next time you watch Milan. Um, Saponara, his teammate at the time, left a very heartwarming message online. Um, you can actually Google it and you can read it. It's extremely, beautiful. yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, it ends by saying, in life, there are people you've known forever, but have never bonded with. And then there are the Davides, who warm to you immediately with a simple welcome to Florence, Ricky. Wherever you are now, keep defending our goal and enlighten the right path for us on the back line. Oh, captain, my captain, forever my captain. Beautiful. Away with words and a fantastic right foot as well to go with that. Yeah, we'll get to that very soon. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Serie Spotlight episode 14. We're your hosts Matt and Jake. You can find us on Twitter at Serie Spotlight along with Instagram at Serie Spotlight. And that's where you'll find our prediction series as well. This week we have the same winner as last week in Jake. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. It's always by a single point and I always get more correct scores. 9-8. Correct scores aren't what win you the game, bro. It's consistency. You need to be consistent with your scores, bro. But I always go for something funky so that I'll get correct score. That's too nearly. Yeah, it doesn't get funkier than Venezia won Bologna nil, bro. That was my prediction. Oh, that's that's pretty funky. Let's, let's make a rule. If you win five in a row... Mm-hmm. Like I did on FIFA. You have to time. rap on the podcast. No, I have to refer to you only as the Oracle. Okay. From deal, now on. Deal. It's okay. better than what? If it's 3 0. What, what the fuck? 3 in a row. 3 in a row is quite embarrassing, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Fuck okay. it. 3 0, then I'll spend an entire okay. episode calling you the Oracle. So if I win next week, I would become the Oracle. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it. Well, if I win 3 in a row, then you need to call me the Dawn. Sure, deal. Fantastic. So this week was insane. Obviously, there were quite a few tight matchups. We saw three seven sisters face face each other, which was great. But my favorite part of this week was the amount of wonder goals that we got to see. Stunning, man. Goal after goal after goal. All absolute beauties. Yeah. And they left it till late, like till the Monday evening. And that's when the best goals Exactly, the the best goals. After work, when you're not expecting to be entertained, you go, you flick on Torino Dinez and you're having a great time watching. You're glued to it. The forest area and break all go, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry to anyone who missed that. But we'll get to that. But we'll get to that. So for the first game, it was Inter 3, 
Napoli too. Now, obviously, this was Napoli facing a massive test away from home against Inter. Obviously, the champions against the current league leaders. Inter in third, Napoli in second. So aside from this, obviously, Spalletti was facing his former side for the first time. And once again, we got to see Spalletti take on Simone Inzaghi. For Inter, they started with Ranocchia at, uh, Ranocchia rather, at the back to replace the injured Stefano De Vries, who has some hamstring trouble at the moment. Darmian and Perisic were the right-back and left-back options, and Correa was preferred over Zeko, since Zeko is still carrying a slight knock that won't allow him to play a full 90 minutes. When it comes to Napoli, the same usual starting 11, so the only thing noteworthy was Lozano again starting ahead of Politano. The scoring was open in the 17th minute pretty early on with a Zielinski goal with the outside of his boot, the top near corner, just outside of the area after a lateral pass by Insignia, some beautiful play there. And when that happened, everyone was like, oh shit, okay, this game isn't going to be as tight as we thought, maybe. But it was only a couple of minutes later in the 25th min minute that Chalanoglu scored from the spot, <laughs> becoming a bit of a penalty merchant. Um, you know, he sent the keeper the wrong way, it was an unstoppable penalty, it was a perfect penalty. Uh, the penalty came through a Koulibaly handball after he blocked Barella's shot, his arm was extended in an unnatural position, and VAR had a look at it, and, you know, a penalty was given, and Koulibaly was given a yellow card as well. Just before halftime, Inter took the lead 2-1 due to a Perisic beautiful near-post header after a cross by Chalanoglu from a corner. This was a well-worked routine with Bastoni covering Ospina's vision just stood in front of him when Perisic came running in and took advantage of Ospina standing slightly off his line looking to collect that cross. He almost managed to keep it out but was just over the line so he didn't manage to scoop it out in time. So 2-1 at halftime. Less than 10 minutes into the second half, Napoli were dealt a major blow and Ozyman was forced off through an injury. Now this was, you know, a clash of heads between a striker and a defender, something you expect to see. And then you expect to see them get up, maybe wrap their forehead in something and run off. But Ozyman broke his fucking orbital. Well, he fractured his yeah. orbital bone. Um, and his cheekbone too. And his cheekbone, yeah, just under his eye socket. A terrible, terrible injury for the man. You have to feel for him. He's He's been on hot form for the entirety of the season. Um, Apparently it took six plates and 18 screws to fix a me, very man. complicated A terrible break, blow for yeah, fracture. him and Napoli. He's out for around three months, give or take. So he'll yeah. be missing the African Cup of Nations. Massive blow for Nigeria as well. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into all of that. He was basically replaced by the presence of Andrea Petania, who although offers some great strength, he doesn't quite give them that agility and that pace that Ozyman gives them. In the 61st minute, Lautaro made it 3-1 after a beautiful finish, hard and low into the far post after a 3-versus-3 counter-attack, with Correa grabbing an assist, beating some players as well. Great work by the Argentine. In the 79th minute, Mertens managed to bag a stunning goal from outside the area, curled it into the far post um, after Zeko was dispossessed by Koulibaly and this ended up being a consolation goal. There were opportunities, um, Mario Rui was denied by a fantastic save by um, Handanovic, Handanovic yeah. one, of, one of the best save I've seen this season thus far. Um, Mertens, you know, had an opportunity through a half volley after a beautiful Anguissa cross, but he skied it. So, Napoli had their chances. It's not like Napoli totally shut the bed and they were beaten by Inter. This was yeah. a great game, 
I think Inter, yeah, Inter were slightly better. They took their chances. They controlled possession well. They played the ball around. It was beautiful to watch. Napoli a bit less clinical, but finally they paid the price. Yep, I I agree that Inter did deserve this one. They were they were the better team. They created more chances than Napoli, and to be honest, their squad looked deeper, especially when when Ozyman got injured. You know, they they failed to replace that attacking flair. Granted, Mertens scored, but he also missed that massive opportunity yeah. at the end. That was. That was tragic, to be honest, and for what them. What about that Handanovic save of Mario Rui? That was amazing. I, I, Gorgeous. I really thought Napoli would get them at the end, to be honest. Yeah, same. Uh, first Rui and then Mertens, like Jesus. Yeah. So, you know that Zeko didn't start the match uh, because he was, you know, a little bit at risk after picking up a knock in the Milan derby. But do you think that Correa was the right stylistic choice facing this Napoli defence? Because we know that Koulibaly is... Great at man marking a striker like Zeko. Mm-hmm. Would he find a player like Correa a bit more problematic? Do you think? Probably. And to be honest, Correa did play very well. He yeah. caused he caused many problems for them. I think the combination of Correa and Martinez will give many um, defensive duos a problem. To be honest. Yeah, I normally prefer uh, Inter with Zeko up front because he's that reference point. But it was good to see kind of Lautaro taking that role as a reference point. Um, he's mm-hmm. not exactly a target. Well, he is a target, man. He's yeah. just not a sizable one. Exactly. And but you he... give him a player like Correa and he'll feed off him, man. Exactly. Lautaro's not the biggest, but he's pretty good in the air, yeah. I have to say. And, and he, yeah. he does win many aerial duels. Um, Correa, I, I prefer Correa coming off the bench, but he's a decent option to have yeah. when, when your main striker's out. For sure. And are Darmian and Perisic Inter's best options out wide, do you think? Mm, at the moment, yes. Perisic is probably Inter's best player right now. Yeah. I have to say he's been he's been great, and I currently prefer Darmian to Dumfries. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Darmian offers so much more defensively, and I think the only thing that Dumfries has over him at the moment is pace. Because even going forward, Darmian can whip yeah. in a dirty, dirty ball, man. <laughs> and it's not even. That difference, you know, the pace discrepancy mm. between them. I, I would say that Darmian holds his own pretty much yeah. against for anyone. For sure, for sure. On a straight off the ball, I'm sure, you know, Dumfries will get the better of him. But thankfully, that, that's not how football is played exactly. <laughs> um, so what I like now is that the... Well, what I like and dislike at the same time, obviously, is that the title race is fucking open. It's wide open. It's wide open. Wide, wide open right now, yeah. Especially with, with Ozyman... Getting injured for Napoli, he was a one-man army up front. You yeah, know, he has, now yeah. he's three months, three months out, and Anguissa's out too. Anguissa's out as well. Yeah. So that plus Milan's obviously ongoing injury nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, Inter look like they have a solid chance. You know. Yep. Especially that this leads us to to my next question. I said, will Inter squad depth give them the extra edge over their rivals moving forward? So there you go. That's pretty much that fucking yes, answer. They it definitely will. I, I, I would I would tend to agree with you there. Now I thought that for example, Napoli have decent options, but they don't have world class options, and I think that's mm-hmm. the difference between between teams yeah. and and Inter. I mean, you bring on Petania, he's okay. He's not the worst. He can lose a bit of weight, <laughs> but but he's not the worst option. I, I was a big fan of him at Spal. I thought he was yeah. a, an animal, but to lead the line for a team trying to win the league, that's not really his his. 
where he belongs. Let's put yeah. it like that. And Dries yeah. um, Martens looked out of sorts, and but you know, he, then he scored a wonder goal. So he does have goals in him, but can mm. he do it consistently? Yeah, Probably I say, not. I say, I say, let Martens get going. Yeah, I, I would play because him he's over been out. Pitana. He's been out for a little while. I think when he comes on, of course, he looks a bit out of sorts. He's, yeah. you know, it's ring rust, mm-hmm. but. The second he gets going, I think, for example, that goal he scored was spectacular. And yeah, he it was more amazing. Of those in him. He's good but at the set miss piece. was even more spectacular. Well, the miss was crazy, it's yeah. true. But even you give him a dead ball situation, you give him a free kick, yeah. the fucker can hit those, man. But the thing is, they're going to have to totally change the way they play. Granted, Mertens can hit free kicks, he can shoot from a distance. But Ozyman was kind of the hold-up play striker that play yeah. the ball. You know, they just boot the ball up, he'll hold up the play mm-hmm. and everyone will catch up or he'll go running on a marauding run on his own. Yeah. Um, Mertens can't do that. Mertens, you'll have to play, you'll have, you need people close to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to play him through, he needs to get on the line. Exactly. And Petania, you just can't play through. And to be honest, I doubt how you can play Mertens through nowadays as well. Yeah. 34 years old. Yeah. Well, you know, Petania, one thing, one thing you could do to get Petania goals is cross the ball to him yeah. but you know you have Lozano who's a very direct winger um, Insignia could, could whip in a couple of yeah. dirty balls potentially uh, but you know well if they feed him he he's bound to score well he you gets know? fed enough yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Napoli still remain in first place but they have a lot of pressure on their asses now they're first with 30 second points level with Milan in turn third uh, with 28 points Speaking of Milan, the next game took place between Fiorentina and Milan and ended 4-3 for the home side. Um, Milan's unbeaten start to the Serie A campaign has come to an end and Fiorentina claimed their first win in six games against Milan. Fiorentina's first home win against Milan since 2015, by the way. Yeah, so they made history. So the game started off and in the, f- in the fifth minute, Brahim played Zlatan through who scored, but it was ruled offside. Okay, classic. Zlatan spends a lot of time offside. Yeah. I'd like to see a stat, to be honest. Probably, I don't think there's another striker who's been caught offside more times than him in the league. Maybe that's where Sanre Amor is, huh? Yeah, <laughs> in the offside <laughs> position, yeah. Um, in the 15th minute, Tatarusanu spilled a corner, allowing Duncan to tap the ball in from close range between Gabia's legs. Gabia had time to clear it, but decided to shield it for Tata. Um, two devastating mistakes that led to a goal. Opportunistic Duncan scored. Milan rallied well and got close to scoring through Zlatan and Leao right after that, but in the 46th minute in the first half, Saponara bent in a beautiful strike from 25 yards out. Classic trademark goal um, and the classic El Ruolo del Lex. Now, I must admit I'm quite pissed at Saponara after how much we've praised him. Um, <laughs> Even in the intro. In the second half, in the 60th minute, Vlaovic turned on. <laughs> Duncan long ball saw Duzan Vlaovic take the sweetest touch to control it, rounding Tatarsan when finishing from a tight angle. Ultimate beast mode reminding me of Piontek versus Napoli. <laughs> you know, insane goal, insane goal. Milan are 3 0 down, all hope seemed to be lost until. In the 62nd minute, two minutes later, Zlatan took advantage of a reckless ball by Bonaventura, thank you very much, Sempre Rossonero, uh, and finished well, giving Milan a lifeline 3 1. In the 67th minute, Leao linked up with Theo, who linked up with Zlatan. Um, it was a through ball by Leao. To Theo, who outmuscled his man and squared it to Zlatan, who scored um, three-two, and suddenly there's hope. But then, in the 85th minute, any little grim- glimmer of hope that was left for Milan was destroyed by Theo Hernandez. <laughs> uh, 
who lost the ball irresponsibly, recklessly, stupidly, whatever you'd like to say, just outside the area to Nico Gonzalez. The ball found its way to Vlaovic, who put the ball neatly into the bottom corner, a nail in the coffin. In the 96th minute, Theo crossed the ball perfectly and beautifully. How frustrating is that, you know? Like 10 minutes earlier, he was fucking up like an amateur, and now he's playing these perfect crosses. Um, Zlatan struck it with his head. It struck the crossbar, took a deflection of Venuti and found its way into the back of the net. But it was too late. So, Milan scored three and failed to go home without a single point. With a single point today, sorry. Um, What the fuck happened? So, I think the simplest way to put it is Milan lost to a much better side on the day. Um, We know that coming into this game, you know, I, I myself was pretty hopeful because both Milenkovic and Martinez Quarta were suspended slash injured yeah. and they weren't available for Along the game. with Nastasic, their Along third with, choice yeah. centre-back. Yeah. Yeah. But that fucking back four moves as an absolute unit. That was they one gave of my, absolutely yeah. no space for Milan to score throughout most of the game. The first goal for Milan came through a defensive error by Bonaventura. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, a little bit of rhythm, a little bit of change change in momentum in the game. And that's how Milan managed to get their goals. But I don't think the goals came out of Milan attacking in a dominant manner or Milan attacking dangerously. It was mm-hmm. a momentum shift. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. I think, of course, Milan had a few too many individual errors. So the first goal, for example, you see Tatarasano spilling the ball. That should never happen. Granted, it happens. But then right after, Gabi had the opportunity to clear it. Mm-hmm. But instead, he decided to shield it, as I mentioned before, and Duncan got a hold of it. You can see in the replay, you can see um, Gabia falling on the floor and Zlatan just bending over and screaming in his face, yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing? But look, And then Theo Hernandez at the end, you know, that's those are two goals that could have been easily avoided. Yeah, easily and, avoided. and, you know, you'd, you'd, expect an, you'd expect errors coming from your third choice fourth choice center back yeah fourth fourth and and from your second goalkeeper but yeah. someone like Theo who's starting week in week out someone who's leading the left back position a, a, a great player man but so frustrating at times i don't get how he feels comfortable taking those risks yeah. when he knows what's on the line also just on this point i don't think gabia is to blame in the slightest for that goal once Tata spilt it, it landed just underneath his legs, just between his legs, and there's no way he could comfortably no, swing his I, leg to get the ball away. I so disagree. he shielded the ball. I think, I think he could have cleared it instantly. I, I don't think he could have. I think the ball was in such a position, it was in line with both his legs, underneath his legs, and I don't think he could have taken a comfortable swing at it. Best thing he could have done is passed it yeah. to, to a different direction. But at the time... He felt like shielding was the best thing to do. I think many defenders would have just shielded. And, I'm and not sure, situation. to be honest with you, man. Tatarasana looked beaten. He didn't even look like he could he could grab it. You know, he was on the floor. Roll over, you twat. Um, but Gabia, I have to say, um, Gabia is getting a lot of stick and even his girlfriend addressed it on, on social media, which I find hilarious. By the way. <laughs> um, he's 22 years old. He's a Milan youth product. You, I, I remember him playing in the midfield for mm-hmm. the Primavera, this guy, mm-hmm. on, on Football Manager, you know, but he's just got a guy, passing him through the ranks. Um, he has 21 appearances for Milan, and this was his first bad game. And yeah. His first remotely mm-hmm. 
close game, close to no, being bad. Right. Like, he's right. he's always played well so far, and you know people are slating him for one bad game against one of the best strikers in Europe at yeah. the moment. But, and he wasn't even prepared for the game. It was announced yeah. fucking on exactly. the day, if not a day before, that he was playing. He hasn't. Pl- he hasn't. I don't think he's started a single yeah. game this season. Because it's been the rotation between Kier, Tomori, and Romagnoli. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, you know, a little bit of Ringras there as well on the topic of, of Ringras. But it's not Gabia's fault at all. Yeah. Who do you... Sorry. What do you blame for Theo's individual mistakes? So, Theo's a great player, of course. No, no hate towards him. But he does make these weird mistakes every now and then. Now, do you think it is complacency? Do you think it's a lack of focus? Do you think it's stupid, stupidity or blatant inexperience? What, what do you think it is? What goes on through that guy's head, man? I can't put my finger on it. I think he was born to be a winger. I think he wants to be a winger. I think he slots nicely into that left-back role because mm-hmm. he's clutch with his physicality and his pace. But I don't think he thinks like a defender at times. I don't think... His his mental state is, all right, I'm a defender. Mm-hmm. I think it's, how am I going to go forward? How am I going to contribute? How am I going to shock the world with this move? And he's a little bit flashy and hence a, a little bit reckless mm-hmm. as well at the same time. Yeah, recklessness, I think, would be the best thing to do. Maybe an experience as well. Because, like, as you mentioned, he he does try that turn that move yeah. very often and to be honest it works more often than not, not and when it position, works when it man. exactly that's that's the the main point just outside the area you don't do that and you should know better um do it if you're further up do it if you have cover mm-hmm. but do it every now and then but not when we're on the verge when milan are on the verge of a comeback <laughs> you know three two and you've, you've just scored two goals and you're going to give them a goal to make it 4-2. What the fuck? I, I was so pissed off on that win. Of then. course, of course. And so yeah. was I. Look, individual indiv- individual errors defined the outcome of this game. Yeah. There were two individual errors, potentially three individual errors for Milan. Yeah. And then, well, two for Fiorentina. There was obviously the own goal, right? Venuti yeah. couldn't really do anything about it. But then there was the Bonaventura pass as well. Exactly. It was a game of errors. It almost looked like a Premier League game. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely. <laughs> so, um, once again, I'm going to shout out Fiorentina's defensive line. They were incredible with their offside trap. Wow, what a performance. Bravo, Italiano. Bravo, Igor. And bravo, Venuti. Okay. Um, and when it comes to any other talking points... Ah, yes. So, if you had to choose one Milan player mm-hmm. to not get injured again for the rest of the season to be completely available at 100% all the time who would you pick? 100% Tomori One, I agree 100% with you completely well okay okay. I, nice. I agree completely because nice. a close second would be Leal uh, oh my god yes I, I tend to agree with that <laughs> are we about to kiss right now? <laughs> are we about to kiss brother? okay so what Milan did, what did yeah. you think sorry I'm gonna stop no problem, you no problem. Um, what did you think of Zlatan's performance because Zlatan started up really slow mm. and frustrating and then he just got two goals and then he contributed to the third. But when Giroud came on... Yeah, uh, that was, by the way, lovely link-up play between him and Giroud. Was. In the middle, you know, they're both like fucking so acrobatic, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> heading the ball to each other, these volleys hey, in the middle of the pitch. I always thought that bro was slow, but when yeah. I saw Giroud next to him, it was just fast yeah, Giroud, the speed of light, isn't man. Isn't fast at all. But um, <laughs> what was your question? Sorry, remind me. What do you think of Zlatan's performance? Ah, yes, he started okay. off weak and then, you know, he, he contributed highly, a high, so, highest contributing player in the match. I think it's fair to say that the game would have been different if had Zlatan taken his chances in the first half For but sure. you can't really slate someone's performance when they go away with two goals almost three goals mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that, 
he was so close to getting a hat trick. That Venuti goal was almost his. If he were in the prime of his career, he would have gotten away with four goals in that game. Yeah. Easy. It's scary. Now, that guy is will forever be an inspiration. Yeah. And Taracciano had a very good game as well. Yeah, Taracciano, you know, stepping up from from Dragovski's from Dragovski's absence. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Milan currently sits second, sharing 32 points with Napoli, four points clear. Um, Fiorentina sits seventh, sharing 21 points with Juve and Lazio, four points off of a CL spot. So moving on to the next game and the third massive game that we had this weekend was Lazio against Juve. Juve managed to get away with a 2-0 away victory against the Roman side. Once again, we have the return of a manager against his former club, with Sarri facing off against Juve, with whom they had their last title success. Both teams struggling with injuries, Lazio with Immobile out with a calf injury and Marusic contracting Covid, Juve still missing Ramsey, Bernardeschi, Chiellini, De Ciglio and Dybala. Both teams coming off victories, with Lazio beating Salernitana and Juve beating Fiorentina. So as if Juve's um, injury troubles couldn't get any worse in the 12th minute, Danilo goes down with a thigh injury and is subbed out for Kulusevski with Quadrado dropping back and you know Danilo will face at least two months out with this with this injury. 10 minutes later in the 22nd minute, Bonucci converted from the spot, Reina attracted but couldn't keep it out, it had some power on it. This game threw a foul on on Morata by Cataldi. There were a lot of protests and a VAR check, but nonetheless, it was a good call. There wasn't any dangerous contact, but he did drop him, and it was inside the area. Therefore, it is a penalty. But we'll get we'll get into the decision making in this game later. So Juve dominated this game. Lazio seemed pretty soft throughout the experience. They don't really have much to offer at the time being, particularly with Immobile being out. However, in the 81st minute, there was a long ball by Kulusevski down the wing to Chiesa, and for some reason, Reina thought he'd get there before one of the league's (laughs) best sprinters. Chiesa took the ball past him, neared into the box, and Reina ran back and floored Chiesa from behind. It was another penalty. Literally. It was another penalty for Juve and another conversion by Bonucci. Reina... Here, really lucky not to see a red card. So, bro, Lazio are absolutely nothing without <laughs> Chiro. Yeah. Absolutely nothing without him. They lose their entire reference up front. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he contributes way more to just goal scoring, but he also drops back and plays the ball laterally to the wings and then manages to get back in past the defence. What can Lazio do? Because, obviously, it, it's a, it's... A concerning factor that they don't have players off the bench to bring on, particularly yeah, that's, for Yeah, that's a big problem for them. They have 11 players and it stops there. Yeah. You know, um, I think they're the they're the least likely team to get top four out yeah, of the, the contenders. You know, uh, I, th- I think even fucking Roma have a better chance, I think, to be honest. Even Atalanta, Atalanta obviously have a better chance. You have a better chance. You know, Lazio's depth is non-existent. Yeah, non-existent. You know, Murigi isn't isn't the standard. Zakani is still finding his groove. Groove Pedro is not a striker. Yeah, you know, pe- playing Pedro as a striker, he just got completely bullied by those by those defenders by Delict Bonucci and Danilo. You know, Absolutely. Pedro couldn't do anything. Absolutely, there'd even be be a shout to start. What's his name in in, in this game? Rugani. No, no, Lazio's sub-striker. 
Ah, uh, Murii. Murii. Yeah, there, there's yeah, even yeah, yeah. A, a shout to start him with the physicality that he, ah. you know, he he can possess against those three. Definitely not having Pedro up front. I I, I would. Say. I think this was the way to go form wise. You're playing three players that are on form: Anderson, Pedro, and Zakani. The problem is it wasn't executed well. They they did nothing. Lazio barely started this game. No, no, absolutely not. They <coughs> barely contributed anything. Yeah, they had one shot on target. You know. Yeah. So obviously, Juve were much the better side, but. They still don't offer much going forward, bro. I I even forgot that Ronaldo had made a, an appearance this year. It seems yeah. like such a long time ago that Ronaldo was bagging goals in for Juve because for the time being, they simply do not have a reference point up front either. And it's not as sustainable starting Morata and Chiesa up top together. Chiesa's a, a great winger. He, he could even play striker. I, I like him in that position. As a second striker, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, with but, with, but with Morata, really... Uh, I think they would prefer to have a, a physical striker, to be honest. Someone, or or maybe I don't know, a prolific striker. Morata has proven to be far from pro- prolific. He's moody. He's streaky. Mm-hmm. He's emotional. You don't want that in a striker, you know. And yeah, so I think I think they have a lot to be desired. And I think in January they're gonna try to make some moves because they have to. You know, they, no, they, they honestly have to. Morata and Keane are two decent strikers to have on the bench not starting yeah exactly they should be fighting for their place and not not starting every game exactly um but obviously Juve did have some troubles with injuries coming into the game they were they were starting Rabiot on on, on one wing and then Quadrada had to drop right back we saw them playing yeah. the Champions League as well with McKinney McKinney and Rabiot right yeah. wing like I think it's time to find a formation that suits the team a little bit better. I, I would prefer Pirlo's system as as it stands. Yeah. Now, now this is a good result for you. It sounds like I'm slating them, but they came away with an impressive 2-0 victory against Lazio. Yeah, the bomber Bonucci. The bomber Bonucci. Will he replace Giorginio penalties in the World Cup? Should That's a good question. Um, probably. Hey. Probably. Yeah, Bonucci hasn't missed one. While, you know, Jorginho seems pretty figured out right now. Yeah, Jorginho seems figured out and he tried to spice things up in the last yeah. game and, and, you know, that didn't go too he well sky did, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, simply, yeah, yeah. A, a fantastic <laughs> midfielder, great penalty taker as well, but you want someone reliable from the spot and I think Bonucci seems slightly more reliable at the moment, turning into a bit of a Sergio Ramos-esque Yeah, kind of guy in his later years. Pretty yeah. interesting player development on Bonucci's end, I have to say. Yeah. So I think Lazio and Juve face a similar situation here. In fact, they're, you know, they have the same points on 21 points, Lazio on 7th, Juve on 6th. I think w- what we can take away from this is that they both need to work on their squad depth. I think Lazio more mm. on their squad depth and Juve more on finding some reference points in the team, maybe signing some wingers if they want to play 4-4-2 and getting a striker, someone better than, than Morata, you know what I mean? Have Morata yeah. as a good option off the bench. But I think we can move on to the next game. Sure. The next game took place in Bergamo between Atalanta and Spezia and ended 5-2 to the hosts. Um, Atalanta ended their run of three home matches without a win. Jesus. Now, in the 11th minute, Verde's long-ranged effort forced Musso into an acrobatic save, but the ball bounced off the crossbar and fell to Inzola, and actually it was Spezia who took the lead. Um, Inzola couldn't have missed and he tapped it in um, his first goal of the season. Um, it didn't take too long for Atalanta to dismantle them in proper Atalanta fashion. In the 18th minute, a lovely move by Zappacosta on the right. Um, saw him taking out two players and he played it into the box. Zapata faked it 
and let it run to Pasalic, who tapped it in 1-1. Now, Pasalic, in my opinion, is probably the smartest player in the league, man. Yeah, he's one of them, for sure. His positional awareness is next level. He's an incredible poacher. He's so good in midfield, man. He's he's a really good player, really. And that's it. Beautiful, systematic player. Yeah. In the 38th minute, Galliolo handled Mela's shot, and the referee pointed to the spot. Mela was convinced instantly it was a penalty. To be honest, um, it was one of those reactions where you know he's... He, he's actually yeah. being serious like, <laughs> like you know he's not lying <laughs> um, It was a penalty And a yellow card Duvan Zapata Missed the penalty um, A terrible penalty But yeah. he, he was Made to retake it Because Providel Was off his line And eventually He scored the second attempt Now This whole thing of Retaking penalties because players enter the box too early, like we saw with Juve and the Champions League, or you know, as we saw here, Provedel off his line. I, I don't have a problem with allowing it. I don't have a problem with being strict about it. The problem that I have, as we have discussed before, is the consistency in the matter. Just if Provedel stepping off his line is illegal this time, I want it to be illegal every time. It's it, as simple as that. It seems as though the retake. Provedel basically did the same the thing. Exact he did, same he thing did in yeah. the first one. But he didn't have to retake it because it so was a goal. So what he did was step off his line during the player's run-up to yeah. put him off, step back on his line, and then dive to whichever side he fancies. Yeah. The first time he saved it, and yeah, I mean, Duvan was made to retake it, and the second time Duvan scored, so he wasn't made to retake it. Exactly. And then it was in the 41st minute where a marauding run by Duvan Zapata saw the Colombian play the ball to Pasalic, who made no mistake getting his double. He tends to do this, like a hat-trick yeah. a season, a doppietta a season, <laughs> you know, he does that. Um, in the 83rd minute, Pasalic decided to, you know, go from scorer to provider. He crossed the ball to Muriel, who had just come on, who struck the ball sweetly um, with a volley and beat Provadel. Now, Colombians... Must fucking hate Duvan Zapata and Luis Muriel because they can't score f- to save their lives for Colombia <laughs> and for Atalanta they score week in week out. And Muriel's back now. Um, he hadn't scored since his first game and this was his first one since then. Um, in the Champions League he scored after 30 seconds as well. So it's good to see the Colombian yeah. back at his best. In the 89th minute, Muriel set up Malinovsky in, um, on the Ukrainians' favourite foot and his favourite position just outside the area and he struck it with his clean trademark left-footed strike. What a goal by Malinovsky. And then it was in the 91st minute where um, a Bastoni corner saw Inzola converting and getting a consolation goal. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, do you think there are any positives in this game to take away for Spezia? A 5-2 loss. I, I think the only positive that they can take away is Inzola bagging two goals. Yes. He's there. One one funny fact I found out recently that kind of makes sense but was kind of shocking at the same time is that Inzola is Spezia's leading goal scorer in this area. Yeah, he's the <laughs> highest goal scorer ever. He was off to he was really close to joining Besiktas. He was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Besiktas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So he, I would take he's that lucky as, to still be on yeah. on the team. I would take that as a positive, him bagging two goals yeah, against too. Atalanta. But otherwise, as a team, not so much. Yeah, I mean, this was a game they were destined to lose. To be honest, 5-2. They conceded five, but they scored two. Scoring two yeah. against Atalanta is a pretty good thing. I so I wouldn't be too devastated if I were Thiago Motta yeah. by, the, by this If result. I were Motta, the first words I would have said to them in the changing room is alright guys let's not concede five goals and yeah. <laughs> conceding five goals is what happened but it's Atalanta and I mean Atalanta just randomly score five goals here and there don't they they're 
one yeah, of the they, more lethal teams in the league. They have a tendency of dismantling their opposition. They don't yeah. only beat you, they destroy you. Like we saw with Torino a few seasons yeah. back, the 7-0, what was it? Yeah, something uh, like so that. So literally scoring from halfway, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of squad depth, huh? they have yeah. some great squad depth. In that's team. a team with great depth. And I think yeah. that's why they're probably the favorite for the fourth spot. Um, I would agree. I still think it's going to be tight, but I think uh, if I had to put my money on one team to come fourth, it'd be Atalanta. Yeah, I'd put, I'd put 20 euro on Atalanta. Do it, man. Uh, why I? not? Yeah, why not? Why not? Okay. Because I might be 20 euro. Because okay, apart from me looking like a dickhead on the podcast, I'll also be 20 <laughs> euro poorer. Yeah. So, apart from you being 2 nil down against fucking Megamind. Bro, what more? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to start calling you forehead on that? Yeah, forehead, please. That's what I'd like <laughs> you to call me because my brain's too big. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you look at the the back line. There's Hristov, Erlich, and Amian. You know, those guys against Ilicic, Zapata, and Pasalic. You know, there's Apakosta, Meili. These guys run at you. Yeah. I Even, mean, choose your battles, eh? And this wasn't yeah. a battle to, you know. Exactly. It's good that they managed to get the win in the round in the game before because their, yeah. their coming games are going to be tough. Yeah. But yeah, shall we move on to the next one? Sure. Actually, wait one second. Um, I need to tell you that Atalanta find themselves fourth, three points behind Inter, and Spezia dropped to 17th, two points away from the relegation zone. So Fantastic. Not a, an ideal position for them, but at least they're safe. You know, They just want to survive. They want to survive, and they're on track for yeah. them. It's expected. They lost Italiano, and mm. a new system, and... I was more concerned about Spezia in the beginning of the season than I was when I started seeing their performances. So we'll see what it'll be like moving forward. Still a long way to go. But the next game took place between struggling Genoa and Roma. So this was the first game for Sheva in charge, with Genoa only recording a single victory this season thus far. They have terrible injury problems right now with Krishito, Caicedo, Destro, Fares, Maximovic and Bani all out. Roma, on the other hand, struggling themselves. They're 13 points off of the top spot. Mourinho this time opted for a three at the back with two strikers up top. Shumorodov, you know, has a new fan in Jose Mourinho after his previous performances. Now, Roma looked much the better side, but still lacked a certain sting and almost seemed frustrated during their, during their game. Both sides with some decent opportunities throughout the game, Roma having their, their own fair share. Do you think Genoa have one shot? Yeah, Genoa, but they had a good opportunity. That was they, it, they probably. Had, yeah, <laughs> they had a very good opportunity. Um, in the 75th minute, everything changed when 18-year-old Felix Afena Gian came on for his third appearance for Roma after the Ghanaian moved to Roma's youth team on the 13th of March 2021 from Eurafrica FC and was Whoa. called up to... Sorry? Whoa. Whoa, yes. And he was called <laughs> up to the first team on the 24th of October, so only last month. Couple minutes later, in the 82nd minute, Afena Jan scores with a lovely finish. He made it look easy, really. There was some brilliant work by Mikitarian, whose solo run was topped off with a nice little assist to Afena Jan for his first goal in Serie A. Jan instantly running to Mourinho to celebrate. You'll find out why later. Yeah. The last kick of the game and then was a gorgeous one with Afena Jan grabbing his second of the night with an unstoppable floating drive from distance. Sirigu totally outstretched. This was from the left-hand side of the pitch. He cut inside. In a matter of seconds, he was controlling the ball and the ball was in the back of the net. It was a, a lovely display from, from the Ghanaian teenager. Now, 
Do you know why Afena John went to celebrate with Mourinho? Of course, Mourinho pro- promised him a pair of designer shoes that were worth 800, 800 euro, euro if he scored, I don't and he know scored what two. the shoes were. I'm not quite sure either. But a wise Cardi B once said, I like those Balenciagas, the ones that look like socks, and these shoes definitely look like they socks They do look me. like socks, and Cardi B is indeed sexy. Um, <laughs> In her own way. In her own way, yeah. Um, I have to say that Mourinho's system where he benches the known and brings in the unknown is controversial. I, for one, have slated him on this podcast. I said, you know, like, what the fuck are you doing? You're throwing your useful depth players on the side and you're fucking bringing in these nobodies. But clearly these nobodies are showing something that the others aren't, right? This Gian guy out of nowhere scoring two goals, that's something that Mourinho does give you at the end of the day. Yeah, it's something Mourinho does give you. Sometimes I really get concerned about how much Mourinho actually believes and how much is Mourinho's ego when it comes to his decision making. That's a good question that I'm not even sure he knows the answer to. (laughs) So I'm, I'm... I, I don't trust his decision making 100% in that regard, but obviously he's a professional and obviously he's making One of certain the greats calls. As well. yeah, yeah, he's making certain calls out of his own expertise. Now, he is a massive fan of Jan. He said, and I quote, I really like his coldness, his physicality, but above all, his humility. Now, he also stated that Jan absorbs knowledge that Jose gives him during training. Um, something that his teammates don't tend to do, according to Mourinho. He said he won't be seeing his former teammates at the under-21s anytime soon yeah. whatsoever. So the man is cemented over there and he's someone nice to bring off the bench as well. John is also a fan of Mourinho. He had some lovely words praising him as both a great man and a great manager. Yeah. How long do you think that'll last? <laughs> I think for him, I think it's a love story that's going to end... Um, happily between them two Um, Mm -hmm. if you had to ask you know the other guys um, the question like you know Diawara if you had to ask fucking what's his name the striker the the substitute striker um, Shomorodov no the other one the the one who had a good season last year but hasn't been favoured by he holds up play very well bro ah Mayoral Mayoral yes exactly thank you Mayoral Um, there's the other guy who was with Verona man I'm blanking the fuck (laughs) out um, I can't remember his name There's a centre-back as well That Mourinho seems to not like um, But anyway Yeah, I think for him He'll, he'll, he'll be fine I think it's going to be a happy a happy story With a happy ending for, yeah. for those two There is another man That has grabbed Mourinho's attention recently As some experience Managing him at United Rome are officially interested In Diogo Dalot Oh, that would be interesting That would be interesting Did Dalot play under Mourinho When Mourinho was at United? I believe he played, yes. Oh, okay. I, I believe he, he played a couple of matches. Uh, you know, he he probably played his fair share if, if Mourinho's interested. Dalot's in a decent plug, I have to say. He's a decent player to I pop in. I liked him at yeah, yeah. He could play right back, he could play left back, and worst comes to worst, you pop him on the wing and he's a skillful little fucker as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a bad player. And with Spinazzola out, you pop Dalot on the left and he's not a bad fucking option at all until Spinazzola. He should played. be back very soon though, Spinazzola, right? A month or two. Very soon? Yes, really? I believe it's a month or okay. two. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I look forward to seeing him back Me too. I, I wonder how he'll transform mm-hmm. this Roma side. I think he will. So, when it comes to Sheva's debut, mm-hmm. now, as I mentioned in the intro to this game, Genoa have a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. You know, their main man, Destro. Sheva did that. Yeah. Sheva did a great job at keeping it nil-nil to the 81st minute. And it took I agree. 
a, a shock performance by by a new Ghanaian teenager to to change the outcome of the game. Yeah, I think um, so. Genoa currently sit 18th, right? I think yeah. the the objective was let's try not to lose this one, and they got pretty close to trying not to lose this one, considering they had Birashi, Maziello, and Vasquez at the back. I mean, not the most attractive yeah. back three, especially Maziello. I'm really not a fan of the guy. <laughs> um, also, he had a Maziello had a match fixing scandal. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You should you should look it up. It's pretty me, okay. pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and he admitted to it. That's the yeah, craziest part. Yeah, okay. yeah. That must have reduced the sentence at least. I'm not even sure, man, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think this wasn't a bad debut for Shevchenko. You know, the goal at the end was kind of, you know, they probably went all out and they conceded on the uh, yeah. uh, against the run of play. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed. This was a game to lose, to draw at most. Yeah. And they lost. Unlucky. Yeah, you called a draw, but whatever. I did. I, I thought that they'd be fucking fired up to play under Shevchenko. <laughs> but then the Krishito injury happened as well. And that, that yeah. didn't help yeah. at all. Fair enough. So, Roma, in my opinion, um, they need another striker, yes. I think. So, currently what they have are, are two talented strikers, don't get me wrong, in Tammy Abraham and Shomorodov. Mm-hmm. But if they want top four, mm-hmm. if they want top four, so Tammy isn't bagging goals because it's his first season over there and he came from the Premier League, he's a young guy, so it's expected. He's, he's not going to come in and, and, and get you 20 goals, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Shomorodov isn't exactly an experienced stellar striker either, yeah. but he does possess a good work rate and some good physical ability as well. Who do you see fitting into Roma? If you were Mourinho and you could choose one striker, let's say out of Serie A, mm-hmm. is there anyone you choose in particular? Mr. Abramovich, I want Drogba. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I had to cho- choose... Oh my God, this was the first time Shevchenko and Mourinho... Faced yeah, off, he didn't. didn't Mourinho didn't want Shevchenko. Abramovich wanted Shevchenko. Exactly. That's so crazy. it was there was a, that whole side story yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I fuck, that should have been in my intro. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to take a striker for Roma, hmm, it's a good question. These are always tricky. Do you These have Do you have tricky. one in mind? No, no. I I was. Gonna, <laughs> they could go for Bellotti, man. I was gonna say that. That's yeah. literally what I was about to say right Bellotti now. Bellotti has a contract expiring, and if he goes to Roma, he might he'll definitely get playing time. Bellotti under Mourinho. That might be sexy. Would be would be nice, um, but yeah, I think I think Mourinho is the kind of manager to try get some players during January. So I'm sure he'll do that. At the moment, they sit in fifth place, twenty two points, not too far away from their opponents in fourth. And Genoa sit in 18th place on 9 points. Danger, but they seem like they have a nice project in place to improve that position now. The next game took place between Verona and Empoli and it ended 2-1 to the hosts. Hot, hot, hot Hellas Verona leave it late to drown a tough Empoli side. Now coming into this game, Empoli had collected 75% of their points on the road, while Hellas Verona replicated that feat on their own soil. So this was always going to be a tough game. That's crazy. Now, in the 18th minute, the 25-year-old Scotsman, Henderson, slapped the crossbar from 25 yards out. He's got a rocket in his pocket and he had Montepo beaten. That's not the first time he's tested no, from range bro, this season. But no. he's yet... I, don't, I believe he hasn't scored yet, though. I don't think he has, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he hasn't he's scored. Fucking, he's an animal. But he is an animal, definitely. Um, in the 23rd minute, Di Francesco, who had his own side story, of course, he wanted to avenge his father, right? Who had been sacked mm. by Hellas Verona. And he seemed really hungry. 
Um, he found Pinamonti with a perfect cross, but the Italian failed to hit the target. Now, this was a big chance, and what a miss by Pinamonti, who's mm. been in good form recently. Um, at the end of the first half, Gunter had a bullet header cleared off the line by Ricardo Marquitza, and that ended the half um, nil-nil. In the 49th minute, Lazovic, uh, Lazovic's first and possibly only positive contribution <laughs> saw him crossing the ball to Barak, who did very well to head it home. Now, Lazovic came on as a substitute, and when, I, when he did this in the 49th, I was like, damn, that's great. That's a great impact, solid player. But then he did absolutely nothing, and every time he got the ball, he seemed to lose it. And I was like, damn, this guy isn't that great at all. <laughs> um, in the 67th minute, Gunter failed to clear a Pinamonti volley. Quite error-prone, Gunter. Um, he miskicked the ball comically, and Simone Romagnoli pounced and tapped it in. Yeah, I find it funny how Milan and Inter have budget defenders around the team. You know, there's Simone... Um, Bastoni and Simone Romagnoli. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Simone. Is it Simone Bastoni? It might not be Simone Bastoni, but it's Bastoni definitely. Um, I can't remember his first name. But anyway, um, the Albanian Bayrami almost gave Empoli the lead as he twisted and turned his way into the box, but the finish was very poor and it took till the 91st minute for Tamezi and Barak to link up well. Um, they were driving towards Empoli's box together. Barak played it to Tamezi, who, whose shot took a deflection off Luperto and found the back of the net. 2-1 for Hellas Verona. Now, Luperto was very unlucky there as he had a fantastic game. Now, Matt, in your opinion, do you think Empoli deserved to get something out of this? I wouldn't say... Oof, the thing with Empoli is they always show a great deal of hustle yeah. in their in their matches. So you could mistake that for, for quality. And on, on their day, that will get them points, right? But I still think that the fact of the matter is that there isn't much adapting from Empoli when it comes to facing different opponents. I think they play their game. I think they play with heart. I think they're a very offensive side. They kind of remind me of Benevento last season, which worries me a lot about their longevity. But a lot more... Mm, interesting. Benevento had a good start, to be honest. They were 11, bro. And in the second part of the season, they free fell all the way down. They... They do have a better manager, I think. Yeah, no, they, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do, know. of course. Andrea Zoli is a fantastic manager. Yeah. And probably a better squad, too. Yeah, it uh, is Simone. It is Simone Bastoni. So it's Simone Bastoni and Simone Romagnoli. Exactly. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, anyway, uh, yes, I, I don't think... I think Verona deserved the win, to be honest. Um, it was a 50-50. A draw could have been a... A fair result, but um, but I think Verona aged the day. They seemed better. They had better flashes yeah. throughout the game. Now, don't get it twisted. Verona are doing a great job at getting results. Definitely, yes, yes. They're on fire, man. They're, like, even if they don't have their best game, they're still managing to get away with victories. And, and that is mm-hmm. something they managed to do last season. And hopefully they'll keep on replicating that for the entirety of this season. I agree. Simeone was presented with the Player of the Month award before the game and he held his new 87-rated FIFA card up in the air. Um, how many goals do you see him getting this season? He is currently on nine. Do you think he will hit the big 2-0, dude? I, I don't think he'll hit the big 2-0. I don't I think, think so. I think either. he'll get close. I think really? what he's already scored, he'll score again. I think he'll get oh 18 goals. Ooh. Um, I see him getting... 15 at most Okay 15 at most I don't want to get carried away Because this guy You know I've been calling Simeone A bad player For the past two <laughs> years now He 
He has flashes of good form, but when he's off, he's off. He's difficult to watch when he's off form. He can barely control a mm-hmm. ball like when he's. Uh, but he it, struggles with it. It has been a while since he's been off, yeah. and maybe this newly grown confidence that he has is the new Cholito. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's his new form, and 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 I really hope that that's the case. It could be a quality. Rather than a temporary thing, I hope so for his sake. He's a very likable player. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, a, he's an extreme. I love that photo of him with a mouthful of tit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he has a yeah. photo on the internet with a mouthful of tit while he's getting his eyebrows done. Yeah, which is fucking fantastic. I wish you twenty goals this season, brother. So, when you look at Hellas Verona's history recently, for a manager and for even for players with ambition, it doesn't seem very promising. You know, they had talented players like Lovato, Amrabat, Rahmani, Zakani, De Marco. These were all great My players God, who have played man, with Hellas Verona and they have all been sold. Um, do you think that seeing what Tudor is doing, mm. do you think that Hellas Verona will invest in the squad long term? I think when it comes to... So, it, so for Tudor... I mm-hmm. think he would view this himself as a long-term project. Mm-hmm. I think Tudor is in there to turn the team around and get them back into that, you know, sure. top But eight. will he have the financial backing? No. I I agree with no you. No, is my yes, answer. Yes. He won't have the financial backing. I think what he'll do is he'll make clever investments. He'll get players on board, players that will start performing and players that will end up being sold because that's the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. And until there's a financial takeover for Hellas Verona... That is not going to change for them. I agree. Simply. They seem content with just surviving. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they they look thrilled to be in the position they're in now, and, and As they, they they're should on, be. Yeah. They're on a good track. So I certainly hope that that's not having yeah. financial. For example, how long do you see Barak staying at that's at, at a Verona? that's a great question? Barak man was man of the match this game once again. He's such a good player. He's, he's this, a fantastic player. This season, he's got five goals and three assists. Wow. Yeah, um, wow. and he is only. Oh no, that's Barack. <laughs> <laughs> I just googled Christ. Barack Sage and it gave me Barack Obama. Obama's, Obama's six, six years old, guys. If he's, you wonder, he's been in his forties uh, for the past. Yeah, Antonin Barack is twenty-six years old. So what? to be honest, I can't see him staying at Verona for much longer. I no. see a, a bigger club picking him up. Yeah, he's a great talent. He can set up goals. He can score goals. He can take set pieces, corners, anything. And he's tall. He's skillful. Yeah. He's he's got it all, man. No, they'll they'll lose some of their top players again, and and this whole rehabilitation process will repeat itself a couple of times. I really hope that Verona won't be a team that's drowned out into the second yeah. division, man. So but I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, Verona sit in ninth with nineteen points, two points off of a comp- conference league spot, while oh, Empoli God. have sixteen points in twelfth, and they are just straight vibing. Now, they're, they're, <laughs> they're not aiming for Europe. They're they're safe from relegation right now. They're just. Vibe, they just literally. want to score, yeah, they which just, is fucking yeah. fantastic. They just like, bought like every budget striker you can exactly, get. You know, they could throw on exactly. Pinamonti, they have Mancos. Strikers that love goals, yeah. as well. <laughs> strikers that just want to score. The only striker I could see that loves goals as much as them, I'm going to mention two Destro and Piontek. Those are two strikers. Piontek? That, uh, 
Piontek, you don't remember his interviews at Milan? Ah, yes. They're, they're yes like, what are you like, Piontek? Yeah. I just want to score, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you would say. You married Piontek. <laughs> bro, give me the ball and I'll put it in the back of the net. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's as far as it goes with him. Yeah, kind of uh, a shit Holland. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But moving on to the next game, it was Torino against Udinese. Torino managed to get away with a 2-1 victory over here. Now both sides came into this game on 14 points each, so both naturally looking for a win to improve their positions. Torino were coming off a shocking loss against Spezia, but Udinese beats Sassuolo last time round. Now for the last two seasons, this, fi- this fixture has given us a victory apiece for each club. So that's a bet to make next time round. Torino won this time, so Udinese will win next time. That's the way it's been for I'll the past two seasons. Mind. You should keep that in mind when you make your next predictions, bro. Oh, Which you can see on our socials, by the way, guys. We never said that. You I should. think I did. Did I not? I don't well, think you so. Can, you can, you can check can it check. on, on check. Instagram yeah. and Twitter. Guys, I work really hard on the artwork. So <laughs> on the graphic. Yeah. On, uh, enjoy. So in the eighth <laughs> minute, there was, bro, bro, this game, just before we get into it, had two... Mental, mental goals. goals Well, three the, mental yeah. goals But one of them for all the wrong reasons yeah. But two absolutely So the first one came in the eighth minute An absolute I think it might be the goal of the season Bro, it beats Kandrevas Yeah And it beats the other goal in this game That I'm going to get into soon Brekalo From around 30 yards out Long ball By Vanya Milinkovic-Savic Belotti Manages to head the ball down 30 yards out Half volley Yeah Inside of his foot, placed it, power, precision, bottom right Silvestri corner. rooted to the spot, totally Handanovic. Yeah. <laughs> bottom right corner. If you haven't seen this goal, do me a favor and go watch it now. I haven't seen a goal like that in ages. Yeah. Stunning, stunning, stunning. Torino were the better side until half time. Odinese, you know how they are. They put in pressure. They play well. Torino had slightly the upper hand. However, in the 48th minute, I can't quite tell you what happened over here as mayhem ensued in the Odinese box. I know there was a fantastic save by Silvestri getting down to save a Belotti header beautifully. And then the ball ricocheted off his hands onto the post. And then after that, the ball ping-ponged at least of four players. Yeah, they were playing Germanisa. Literally, but the ball was cleared off the line and shot again and it hits another player and then it hits a player's ass, then it hits another player's ass, then it hits a player's back and goes back to the player. It was crazy, a game of ping-pong. And then the ball landed to Pobega, who managed to head the ball goalwards. And it was Bremer who managed to turn the ball in. Literally just needed a touch and... He got that. There was a VAR check because, you know, the ball could have hit so many body parts. Yeah. But yeah, the goal was legal. Udinese were piling men forward. They were really pressuring. They did not believe the game was over quite as yet. In the 77th minute, Forestieri, again from 30 yards out, a fantastic free kick. This was the most fuck it shot I've yeah. ever seen in my <laughs> life. The way he stepped up. It was so out of like, the blue. There was no build-up. He kind of hopped as in like oh, fuck it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just cunts the ball yeah. that's the best way to say it. he cunted the yeah. ball into the top corner now Milinkovic Savic is a big boy in the goal he flung his body and he couldn't get near it a stunner by Forestieri so two fantastic goals in this game bro um, 
But let's talk about the man that conceded the Forestieri goal, Vanya Milinkovic Savic. The man had three phenomenal saves to keep Torino on front. How good is Vanya, in your opinion? So, Vanya Milinkovic Savic, I used to think that this guy. So, I feel like he's been around for a while. I remember a few years back he struck the crossbar from a free kick, and I was like, this guy's a meme. This keeper is kind of just a fun keeper, a big keeper. He's just. He's kind of shit, but he's you know he's fun to watch, and he's on the he's older side. Good, that that's man. what I thought. Yeah. Now, recently I came to to know that he's twenty four years old. He's, he's he is he's, Sergei Milinkovic <laughs> Savic's younger brother. That's fucking younger funny. brother. So, the guy is a giant. He's like six foot seven, twenty four years old, and he's pulling off these great saves in Serie A, starting for Torino. I think the future is very bright for he this keeper. He's good, man. He's good. He's very he's good. He's good. His yeah. size. He's Makes matured nicely good, as well. He had two great saves, man. Two great saves. Yeah, yeah. And he, he drops low, considering he's high. Kind of like Donnarumma does. His, I was, I was going to make a Donnarumma reference, but I this also weird. don't... I, we, need, we need someone else here, man. We're too similar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to mention Donnarumma and Vanya in the same breath. And, yeah. and I shan't, so... <laughs> but Vanya possesses a similar height, height to yeah, he, Donnarumma. He's a little bit taller. He's, he's a little bit yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ He's a big boy man Yeah And their styles Are very similar And It'd be good To see Vanya Performing similar To Donnarumma But there's obviously A long way to go yeah. I believe Donnarumma is, How old is Donnarumma now? Now Serge that up really Like 21 quick. 22 at most As if he's still 22 Of course man He's a young guy 22 years 22. old There we go 1999 yeah, Crazy. It is. Um, of course, Donnarumma is a freak of nature. Vanya Milinkovic Savic is just a human. Granted, he was born behind the mountains and he <laughs> ate a cow when he was a child, but he's he's human. He was born like exactly exactly a week before me. That's, that's weird. The guy, the guy, the, the guy looks ten years older than you. Kill me with one of his arms, like straight up. There's no way I'll even smell him. Now another Torino player, Pobega. Wow. If he played in a top team, he'd be regarded as one of the best midfielders in the league, I would say. I, I, I tend to agree with you. He's so complete. The only downside to his game is how aggressive he is. Because mm-hmm. he gets many yellow cards for that. And referees started to, to be more cautious of him. But that in itself can be interpreted as a good thing. Because it means he's hungry. He has mm-hmm. desire. He wants to fight. And, and he wants to prove himself. You know, perhaps yeah. so Milan can recall him. Um, but yeah, he has no obvious weaknesses in his game. He's he's good in the defensive phase. He's good in the offensive phase. He's tireless. He's yeah. industrious. He's he has a there. wicked shot on him. He's, he's ever present. Yeah. There. He's always present for and, a pass. And you see him, uh, even when he's tired, he drops back and he can get the job done as kind of a regista mm-hmm. kind of thing. But then when he's fit, he, he charges up. He, he joins the 10 role. He goes and joins the striker. Mm-hmm. He plays a, off the shoulder of Bellotti. He can do everything, man. Is, is, he, is he contracted till the end of the season? On he, it's a dry loan. Um, what's his name? Really wants him. Um, what's his fucking name? I'm, man, names today. I drank is a bit of whiskey and I'm forgetting. Yeah. Our, our grandparents are living with us at the moment because there's a bit of a COVID situation in their residence. Yeah. Um, and they brought whiskey. So... <laughs> Thank you very much. Yurich, Yurich really 
um, wants, to, wants keep to keep him. him. Yeah, 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 of course he'd want to keep um, him. And, you know, Juric had the drama with Hellas Verona where he wanted to keep DeMarco and they, they wouldn't let him and eventually he ended up falling out with the club. Well, history could repeat yeah, itself. It might, it might, alone. honestly. I mean, I don't know the details, for example, of Brecalo's loan because Brecalo's also on loan. Brecalo's on loan? He's on loan from Wolfsburg, I believe. Um, yes. And he Please sign him I think they might have an option in that one I'm not too sure to be honest okay. with you But but they have many loan players And that mm-hmm. will really determine Juric's future Because I don't think he wants to Hold a mid-table team He, yeah. wants, he wants to manage a team with a vision He's a great coach He deserves you know, that You know what would be A fucking huge testes move by Maldini What? Sell Cassie in January Recall Pobega instantly Ooh. In January I'm not sure they can do that. I'm pretty sure they can actually by paying a fee with a dry loan. That would be a big dick move. There's Adli as well, though. There's Adli as well, and Milan are heavily linked with Renato Sanchez as well. Yeah, Renato Renato Sanchez would be a a great player, particularly in Serie A. I really think he, he fits the system. But still, I it's think... It's his, his injury record Poberga that, that would, would cost me. nothing for a recall. Yeah. It cost absolutely nothing. Make some money off Kessie. I bet you can make a what couple I'm worried about. That. What I'm worried about is the fact that Pobega came from the youth, the youth system. Mm-hmm. So selling him would be 100% profit and, you know, teams like to do that. Yeah, but, but maybe get him on board for two seasons and then sell and then replace and then... Maybe, but that's you know. fucking shit. You know, I want, I want Pobega to grow with Milan. No, of course, I mean, in, in yeah. an ideal world, that's what will happen. But yeah. if they flip him for a price, then, then replace him with yeah. someone better. Better than losing them for free, am I right? Yeah. But now, anyway. Udinese, on the other hand, still, I, I still think that Udinese are a good team. Yeah, of course, of um, course. But they drop points in very even they dropped sorry they dropped up uh, they dropped points here in a very even matchup against torino both sides were looking for a victory but what does gotti need to do to find themselves a mid-table spot they're currently in 15th what could they do to get up to 10th in the beginning of the season i said that's exactly where they would be um good question i think they're on the right track they're four points away from 10th right now, and they had a solid start. They dropped a few points stupidly, but, you know, they have a young striker who's getting going. They have a good system in place. They have good players, man. I, I, I think they, they're on the right track. Definitely. Yeah, I don't count. They're not, a very, they're not a very ambitious side. They're yeah. not going to go for anything more than 10th. But, no, but, but, but they do have some decent history to them, so... They do, that, bloodline, that bloodline won't simply die out. I think a couple of signings should... Get them back in their place, maybe add some motivation but to the team. But we all know the owners, man. The owners are the same owners fucking of Watford. Get someone from Watford. Yeah, who can you bring in from Watford? To I be honest, no I don't know a single fucking Watford player. Of, of Troy Deeney. Troy, Troy Deeney fan. <laughs> <laughs> so Torino sit in 11th place on 17 points. Oh, wait. I need to talk about it. What do you think of Bellotti at the moment? Since his return, how's he been? So Bellotti has been frustrating me a little bit lately. Particularly because he seems, I don't know, he doesn't seem focused. There seem to be players around him that are open. Like Pobega at a point was wide open screaming for it and Bellotti was shot. There was a point where he got the ball and he was pretty much, not clean through, but he could hold up the play well. He just ran it and just kicked it into the defender. It was very lazy, man. It was lazy, yes, that's the thing. He doesn't seem happy. He seems to be pondering his next move. Now, the talent is obviously there. The industriousness is there. The work rate is there. He's also very 
slick with his with his passing to be honest surprisingly enough even though there's nothing quite elegant about him yeah. physically but but yeah I, I still think he's a good player I still think that for example a move to Roma a move to Milan might be mm. might be very good for him and and then we'll really see him pick up yeah. form I'm, I'm confident in that yeah it, it, it so if he moves there and you play Fanta Culture pick him up guys. <laughs> so he, he's a little bit stuck in the mud at the moment and, and that that could be reflecting in, in his performances I just feel like every time Milan are linked he kind of slacks off I, I I don't know what it is about that not slack off as in his work rate because he one thing you're guaranteed with Bellotti is a high work rate and that when you're behind that is what you need in, in a yeah. striker apart from obviously the ability to convert but he can convert he's just not converting at the moment but Torino don't find themselves in a bad situation at all they're 11th on 17 points Udinese 15th on 14 points the next game took place between Bologna and Venezia and this is the game that won me the predictions round because I did say that Venezia would win 2-1 but in reality they won 1-0. You fucking loser. Yeah, thank you. Now, um, the European dream now for Bologna. <laughs> <laughs> that, as we discussed last week, could there be a European dream and then bang, course. they lose to Venezia. Of classic course. classic Bologna. Said they will get close. We'll yeah, both agreed on that. Exactly. So this game was decided through a 61st minute Okareke goal. Um, and it was Venezia's first win against Bologna since 1947. It's My a shame for, for Svanberg of Bologna as this was his 100th appearance. Now, um, yeah, in the 61st minute, basically, Okareke took advantage of a rebound um, inside the box and rifled the ball home. Um, 26-year-old right-back Pasquale Mazzocchi had a very good game. He was pinging balls forward. He was driving. He was doing great. Um, but to be honest, there's nothing really to write home about this game except for the fact that Bologna are so fucking streaky. Orsolini featured this game, he hadn't played in a while, he was out wide, he didn't do much to be honest. Arnautovic was quiet, they were kind of wasteful, they didn't take their chances at all. Venezia took pretty much the only chance they got and they fucking won the game. Um, Bologna are 10th with 18 points, 3 points off of a conference league spot of the European Dream and Venezia are 14th with 15 points 6 points off of a conference league spot and 6 points from relegation so Venezia are caught at a crossroads yeah, here they're the they're the beef to the burger like they're bang on in the middle of it, of it all that's a nice way of looking at them Venezia are the beef yeah. or the aubergine if you're yeah. <laughs> Man, Venezia, the ever-surprising team this season. Yeah. The thing is, they didn't get off to a good start to the season instantly. Um, they had a couple of, of huge losses and they were being compared a lot to Salernitana. Yeah. And at the time, rightly so. But they have quality in their team, man. And I they think do. Paolo Zanetti is doing a good job with them at the moment. He definitely is. They're a team that has an identity to them. They're a team that has, to a certain extent, depth. Yeah. Because, you know, we saw, for example, Jonsson was out for a while, no problem. They popped Okereke on the left, they popped Aramu on the right, and they popped Henri up front, yeah. you know. And so they have solutions, and they're adventurous, they're brave, they're young, mm-hmm. and they believe. And you can tell, you can tell, you can see it. Like this game, they had Chernigoy, Ebuehi, Fiordilino, and Zvoboda out. Jesus, okay. Two of those guys have a hernia, by the way. Oh my yeah. God! What have um, they been doing? was probably their biggest miss this game because yeah, the, the guy is very good. great. He's great, Chernigoy. Yeah. But I think that apart from them having a good side, a good young side, a good manager, they have such identity about them. I mean, if I was a multimillionaire, that'd be the first club I invest in. 
Oh, they're yes. such a brand. They're beautiful. They are, they are, they are. Their stadium they're so cool. surrounded by the canals even, of Venice. Their even kids. their social media, man. Their social media is so elegant compared to no joking around. Everything is serious. No emojis. Everything looks amazing. You know, so yeah. clean. Everything's mm-hmm. so clean about mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I guess it's the American owners, right? <laughs> Probably. Probably. No, but they're a side I want to see cement themselves in Serie A. I. I, I Absolutely love Venezia. One of the most important cities in Italy. It would be nice yeah. to have them in the top flight. For sure, for sure. And what about Bologna for you? What do you mean, what about Bologna for me? As in uh, their performance? Their performance and, you know, where no. they stand. Once again, they're unpredictable and I don't like betting on them personally because you can never tell what you're going to get. They're either going to beat Lazio 3 0 or they're going to lose 1 0 to Venezia. I don't quite know what the problem is. Mm. Um, but yeah, what do you I think? think? I think that the. Management and the team are far too familiar with each other. You think they need a, a new manager? I hate I hate saying that, but yeah. but yes, I think I think if Bologna were to invest in a new manager now, I don't. I'm not a professional when it comes to, so I don't know when would be the best time to get one, get a new one on board. Maybe play out the rest of the season, see how that goes, and get a full yeah. preseason under a new manager. I'd say yeah, give him the season, so, give him the rest of the season. You're you're not losing any ambition that you already had or anything of the sort, but get a new manager for next season, give them a full pre-season and they should be doing better. So I don't think it would be fair for them to sack Mihailovic when their sporting director resigned, taking blame for the fact that the team wasn't competitive. Also, Mihailovic showed incredible determination and professionalism when he had leukemia last year and he was managing the team from his hospital Why do you bed. Have to throw the leukemia? Yeah, because yeah, it's true, know. they owe him the season. They they're not there is no way Mihailovic is going anywhere. No way, no chance in hell. Plus, they're not even doing too badly this year. Granted, this fucking result sucked, and they have and they had a few terrible results. It's it's the it's the opportunity that pisses me off because they dropped silly points, and had they not, now and I know talent, this is the story yeah. of football, but they have a talented team, and mm. and we could see them really pushing if they had the facilities to push, if they had the management that want them to push. I think that, yeah, like I said, it's it's not a matter of Mihailovic not being a good manager or, or not the right fit. He's a brilliant fit for them, and we've seen that time and time again. And like you said, he's worked his ass off through They even situations. made him an honorary citizen. Okay. <laughs> a <Cool>. few days ago. <laughs> so I don't think he's going anywhere for sure. Okay, but again, I think they're too familiar with each other. I think mm. bringing in something new would motivate the team. Could I think be. sometimes that's what you need. You could put them in retire all you want, but sometimes there just needs to be a shake-up. And yeah, I think I think Bologna do a shake-up if they yeah. want to hit certain heights, if they're ambitious at all. Uh, I wouldn't touch anything right now. Um, with the season out and then evaluating the summer. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the next game. So the next game was Sassuolo 2, Cagliari 2. So Sassuolo coming off two losses against Empoli and Odinese. Cagliari, on the other hand, coming off four losses against Fiorentina, Roma, Bologna and Atalanta. Both sides came out all guns blazing in this game. They were attacking in numbers and sprinting back to defend. It was a bit of a war. Scamacca missed an absolute sitter in the opening minutes. Um, Cepitelli hit the bar and Consigli made some good saves but in the 37th minute Scamacca redeemed himself with a good finish after a through ball by Mimmo Berardi but Sassuolo haven't been known for keeping their lead this season and three minutes later in the 40th a spectacular overhead kick by Keita Balde 
in off the crossbar after Nandez juggled the ball over Raspadori and crossed it in. One of the many spectacular goals of this week. And like I said, you know, Sassuolo aren't known for holding their lead. So it only took three minutes this time round. Halftime, they were 1-1. And in the 52nd minute and then Berardi scored from the spot, sending Cranio the wrong way. The penalty was won by Raspadori after a mistimed challenge by Liko Janis. No complaints over there. Again, you know, like I said, Sassuolo not used to holding their lead. Before it took three minutes, this time it took four. (laughs) 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 And remember a couple of weeks ago when Fratesi scored and then scored an own goal right after? Yeah. Well, he, he won a penalty and now he conceded a penalty right after. So this was one of the softer penalties and he was absolutely fuming when it was given away and João Pedro stepped up and scored from the spot. After he scored, he celebrated by cracking an egg, stirring his plate and having a mouthful of spaghetti. The man's being linked with Italy and he's doing his utmost to look Italian and be Italian. Because apparently he has an Italian citizenship and he hasn't been considered by Mancini. I don't know why this has just come out now when the Euros have just passed. And, you know, there were the World Cup qualifiers and João Pedro has been scoring goals for the past, I don't know how many seasons, you know, he's he's a guarantee practically. I think he should be on the Azzurri squad, definitely. 100% he should be there. Like, why the hell are players like Raspadori there? When João Pedro could be there, granted they're young, but they'll have their moment. You need players who can actually make the difference. You have to call up João Pedro. Of course, what's simple as that? You have to call him up. What the hell? He's fucking Italian, apparently, (laughs) Um, and he's one of the league's top goal scorers. Of course, of course. What the hell? I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, interestingly enough, Cagliari and Sassuolo have drawn 64% of their matches in Serie A. Wow. Yeah, that's why I went for the 2-2 prediction. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I, I think I did Sassuolo 3, Cagliari 2, so I was on the edge of my seat that almost for, for, for the last 40 minutes of the match. Now, as usual, Sassuolo looked like the better team, but they failed to get three points. Couldn't help but notice that once again, um, the Mape didn't host many fans. How much of an impact do you think that actually has on the players? Oh, it must be massive. I mean, you know, especially when when Cagliari come to play against you in your own stadium and their fans are out shouting yours. And it's Cagliari and they're at the bottom they of the league. They literally you know? were. They were, they, they were, they were. It's, it's terrible. And you look at Sassuolo, they've been in Serie A for not too long. Granted, they're a pretty new team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they made it to the Europa League. Where are their fans, man? You know, we already spoke about the logistical problems of the Mape Stadium being a 40 minute drive away from Sassuolo. Make the trip, I know. But the problem is that many people from Sassuolo itself have already started supporting other teams. Fuck that, though, man. Yeah, because Sassuolo, we're we're a lower tier team. I would support Milan over Floriana in Malta. (laughs) If Floriana are playing top flight football, I'm going to go watch Floriana. But they're from different leagues. That's what's weird. Like, imagine, I don't know. Just take it as the the hypothetical comment that it was. No, fair (laughs) enough, fair enough. I mean, I would go. If If Malta were in Serie A. Imagine Malta Malta were in Serie A. With you. I'd go fucking watch Malta Malta every week in Serie A. Shirtless, painted red and white. Like, with the George Cross on my fucking tits. 74-year-old Michael Mifsud leading the charge. (laughs) Now, in my opinion, uh, a large mistake that Sassuolo tend to make. Now, there are a few things you can pinpoint. One being the gap between the midfield and the defence. Uh, another another one being 
Berardi being their only real top player in the team, the decisions yeah. that were made, losing their star players and losing their losing a great manager and not essentially replacing them in the most intelligent way possible. But I think one thing would be that Sassuolo tend to scrap against their opposition. I think yeah. they play lower league teams like Empoli and Cagliari who are like, you know how we're going to beat these guys? We're going to go out, we're going to scrap. We're going to pull their shirts, we're going to attack, we're going to run all over the place. And Sassuolo mirror these performances. They start doing the exact same thing as their opponents. Do you think yeah. that there's an element of a lack of experience within the Sassuolo team that allows them to get sucked into this trap of scrapping these matches? So if you have to look at their team, let's look at the starting eleven that played against Cagliari. We have Fratesi, who I guess you could call an experienced Traore, you could call an experienced, even though he's had about three or four Serie A seasons now. Raspadori, Skamakar, an experienced. But then you look at the back line. You have Tolian, Ihan, Ferrari and Rogerio. They've been there for a while and they've all played together for a while now. So there shouldn't be an excuse for getting into these scraps. But you know? like their midfield... And, and Maxime Lopez is a commanding figure in the midfield. I don't know. I, I think he dominates well, but maybe Traor and Fratesi are inexperienced. I don't know. Yeah, I I I think apart from Ferrari mm-hmm. and Mimmo, obviously, I don't really see many leaders okay. in their team. In yeah. their team, maybe Consigli. Yeah, and Lopez. Lopez. Lopez has always been the type Maybe to shout out commands. Lopez as well. But the problem for me isn't the fact that they end up scrapping. It, it's the lack of quality. The lack of quality that has come about from the fact that they they sell their best players, man. They sell their best players and they don't replace them. And that must be frustrating in general. You know, I mean, we already talked yeah. about Locatelli going and Caputo going and fucking De Zerbi going and they didn't replace a single yeah. one of them. But what does it say about your team when... You get two goals in the game and you concede three minutes after, then you concede four minutes after. A a lack of concentration. But you know, statistically, you're most likely to concede or score after you have conceded or scored. Yeah, but it it always happens to them. Why don't they know this by now? (laughs) You know know what I mean? It's like they're not self-aware at all. And I hate shitting on Sassuolo. But, But this has just been going on for far too long now. Can we say as well that Ihan looks so much better than Kirikas? Please. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Me too. Ihan's obviously. good. <laughs> Ihan's good. Well, and Bellanova playing on the wing was interesting too. He's been playing quite well, Bellanova. Happy Bellanova. to see him and say, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's good. He's good. Yeah. Oh, the good result for Cagliari. Yeah, Cagliari yeah. would be thrilled. They could have won the game as well. But yeah, they'd, they'd I, be, I think they'd be slightly disappointed, to be honest, that they didn't get maybe, the three points. Maybe. I mean, they'd be looking at Empoli and saying they did it. So yeah. we should be able to do it as well. Exactly. Well, Sassuolo sit in 13th place on 15 points. Cagliari. Down, 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 down. 19th place on 7 points. So the next game took place between Salernitana and Sampdoria, which ended 2-0 to Sampdoria at the Areki Stadium. This was a relegation 6-pointer and their last match was in 1999. So Sampdoria were quick to dominate this game and their goal came in the 40th minute through a clever corner kick routine, which saw Kandreva crossing the ball in and Di Takio. Um, unfortunately, deflecting it into his own net. Um, it looked like Thorsby scored for a second, but it was actually mm-hmm. Ditakio and it was an own goal. Okay, three minutes later, um, a three versus one breakaway 
um, for Sampdoria. So Qualiarella finding Candreva, who side-footed at home, a great goal for them. Um, an offside call later on prevented Caputo from extending the winning margin. Now, 10 goals in 13 games from Sal- for Salernitana, and they sit at the bottom of the league, dude. Do you think they're out? Do you think they're done? I think they're done. I think no, they're, they're, done. they're yeah, they're the guarantee. They're they're the team that's going down one hundred percent. They're the they're the crotone kind yeah. of of last season. But way more boring. Yeah, yeah. Way I would, more I would, boring. Ten goals in thirteen games. To be honest, is is a pleasant surprise for for Salernitana. It's 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 better than I thought it would be. But yeah, man, I I I'm I'm not a big fan of the team. Um, yeah. Wasn't a big fan of their manager before, and yeah. it doesn't seem like things are getting much better under Colantuono either. There, there aren't any games I would call Salernitana favorites at. No, or, not a single fancy one. Them getting a Actually, point. quite the opposite. You know, I would yeah. bet against them pretty much against anyone. Um, Sampdoria avoided losing four straight games for the first time since 2016 and they they deserve this victory to be honest and it's three losses in a row now for Salernitana That's been a long time coming for Sampdoria as well I'm glad to see them picking up points If that had to be anyone, it had to be against Salernitana (laughs) Sampdoria have climbed to 16th on 12 points as Salernitana sit at the very bottom with 7 points The same amount of points as Cagliari but they look Way worse. Yeah. 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 I mean, they have 10 goals scored. Cagliari have 15. Nah. God. Yeah. Okay, but that's that, basically. Yeah. So, nothing too exciting over there. It's good to see Sampdoria back to winning ways. Salernitana, on the other hand, classic, really. Another yeah. another defeat for them. Yeah, Kandreva's um, the, the bright spark in that Sampdoria team. He's been playing so well yeah. this season. Probably one of the best midfielders for in the sure, league this year. For sure. When the fuck is Damsgaard back? Um, Soon, I think. He's been I think he should be in back and soon. out. Poor guy. He'll, yeah. he'll, be, he'll be good once, once he's back. Give him a few games and until... He'll help the team elevate slightly. I can't help but feel he's a little bit overrated after the Euros, but but he is a good talent. Yeah, most yeah. of the Danish players after the Euros, yeah. except for Simonki, are obviously no vibes over there. Yeah. I got a question. Uh, I got a question. So that jingle obviously means that it's our question segment. Um, we have quite a few this week And we're going to mm-hmm. rapid fire through them Because we're already how, how long are we in? We're an hour and 25 minutes in Fantastic. Okay great Let's Enjoy, rapid guys. fire them So the first question comes from our friend Michael From Australia Who at Veluti on Twitter Who asks What's your favourite beer? Oh wow okay Jesus I was not expecting <laughs> that I, I had a chat today With an Irish colleague of mine Where I said Hop House 13 is one of my favourite beers It's it's Irish, it's from the same distillery as Guinness, but I'm also a massive fan of both Peroni and Moretti. Oh, very nice. I am a fan of Blue Label. Respect. Blue Label, it's a Maltese beer, it's a dark beer, it's, it's beautiful. I'd okay, like if you ever a malt, I recommend trying it. Yeah, I'd like to know what your favourite beer is, Mike. So Yeah, please, let us know, Mike. Let us really. know, dude. Um, the next question comes from Steve Colero, our boy, at Steve Colero on Twitter, who asks, is Vlaovic ready for his big move? Where do you see him going? I say yes. Yeah. And I see him going, if, if it's in Italy, I, I see him going to Juve. 
Yeah. Def- I definitely see. But why would he go to Juve? Doesn't he want to play in the Champions League? Because Juve, Juve, dirty shit. Juve are a team with ambition, and I think he he loses out on on six months of of high competition. Even though Juve will be competing for that top four mm. spot, that'll be good experience for him for next season. Next season, hopefully, we'll see a better Juve side with Vlaovic up front, perhaps, and maybe have yeah. some resources behind him. So. In Italy, I see him there. I see him as a good fit for Manchester City. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I see him more. I see him going abroad, man. I see I see him as a player that you know a, a big team will come to splash the cash on him because I think Comiso will sell him mm. um, in the in the coming winter market, and I think Spurs will probably go in for him. Who knows, man? Conte maybe, will maybe go for him. City for sure. could go for him. There are many rich teams that could go for him, and I don't think any Italians have the Italian teams have the facilities to actually bring him in. Yeah, it depends if if he ends up going for a free. He's a no-brainer for you. Yeah, but that example. won't happen. But, I think Comiso won't let it happen. I heard from from our granddad today that apparently Juve still owe Fiorentina money for Chiesa. Yeah. So so I don't know how feasible going for Vlaovic would be, particularly since it is Fiorentina that they're dealing with again. Especially if a bidding war ensues. Yeah. The next question comes from our boy Seb Rousey at S Rousey on Twitter. He asks for strikers, speed or strength. Good question, strength. Yeah, for me, I agree. Strength. How boring. What fuck. I thought you were gonna say this? speed. Speed, bro. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, definitely. I've always been a fan of that big motherfucker that thumps the ball, and you yeah. know, I've always been a fan of the Zlatan types. I I used to love watching fucking Peter Crouch. You all know how much I like Simi. I like these big strikers, these big strong guys. Yeah. Artem Zuba in yeah. Russia. I love these. The strikers. speedy ones. The speedy ones could get the ball to them, or let the striker hold up play and play the the, the speedy ones through. But yeah. give me, give me. A, a big boy up front Give me Olivier Giroud Any day <laughs> Okay um, The next question Comes from Our friend Benji Flynn Shana Flynn Who asks Can Fiorentina Be a shout For top four A cheeky shout Or other <laughs> Well It obviously depends On if they manage To keep Vlaovic If they Do keep Vlaovic Then they will Definitely compete Um I see them being 5th, 6th and, and trying to push onwards and upwards to mm. the final day. But if they lose Vlaovic, I'd be interested to see what happens with them. And like that, mm. I don't think there'll be any way possible for them to get uh, Champions League. So my answer would probably be no. Yeah, I, I don't think Fiorentina can get top 4. Um, it would be against all odds and I would love to see it happen, but I don't Same. see it happening. You know, you look at the depth that many teams have, like as we discussed, Atalanta, Juventus. Juventus, not so much, but Atalanta... Um, Inter... Inter, Even Milan. Okay, so Inter, Napoli and Milan, let's assume that they're safe because they, they've mm-hmm. been uh, pretty strong, well, pretty yeah. consistent, of course, compared yeah. to everyone else. Let's say that. Um, the last spot, I think Atalanta are the favourites. I think after Atalanta, there comes Juve, Roma, Lazio, and then perhaps Fiorentina. I think Fiorentina have the edge over Lazio at the moment, but I don't know how Probably long at the moment, last. exactly. Yeah. Especially with the Mobile back, I don't think they have the yeah, edge. Exactly. Well, it'd be nice to see Saponara. Yeah, in the, the Champions, Champions League. League. Wow. He'd be off the city, man, in no time. Pep <laughs> <laughs> would like him. Yeah. And he also asks Is Leao the best player in Serie A? I, I hate questions of it. Is this yeah. one the best? Is he the best? But fuck it, I'm going to say yes, bro. You're going to say Leao, yes. Leao is, well, not the best player in the league, but like he's the best left winger in the league. Yeah. I think he has the highest ceiling in the league. In the league, fair enough. 
That's a that's a good way to yeah. put it. Leo is fucking magic, bro. Yes. He's loving sexy magic. Every time he gets the ball, he's got three players around him. It's like, all right, how's he gonna get out of this one? He just fucking. He glides past every time. I'm like, how the fuck did he just get through him? Yeah. Oh, he got past him again. Like, how the hell does yeah. he keep doing it? He man? really improved after preseason, and that's one thing yeah. I fucking love about him. He's putting the work in on the downtime. And he's as well. bulked up as well. He's, he's gained so much yeah, muscle. Yeah, I agree. He's one of the best players in the league, though, and even. When we saw Milan play in Europe, commentators always hailing him. They they're in love with him and Brahim. So it's it's good to see that they're getting well, good and bad to see that they're getting attention from from Europe. The last question comes from David, our good friend who we watched Sassuolo with. Um, <laughs> Anna Dave at Vaschak David. I'm so sorry. Uh, on Twitter, <laughs> he asks, "Hey guys, short check window would be amazing. Mainly if Barak has got a chance to move to a better team. Thanks." So <laughs> we've already discussed this actually in the episode, and the answer is yes. I do think Barak has the opportunity to move to a better team. He's 26 years old. He's shown versatility. He's shown. Great talent, you know, great skill, technical he, ability, yeah. strength, brains, composure. Yeah, he's got it all. He's one of the only two active Czech players in Serie A. The other one is you're a fan of his, David. It's Zima. David Zima, you share the same name, class of two thousand. Um, he's a defender man. who plays with Torino. He's a great talent too. Um, there are also Czech players in Serie B. There's a guy called Matthew and a guy called. Haydenrich um, yeah. for Brescia and Spal respectively and in Serie A there is a Zeman who plays for Foggia not to mention of course some greats that we've seen in Italy like Pavel Nedved and, and Marek Jankulovski one of my favorites yeah okay and we also saw uh, an interesting cameo Um, by Ka- Patrick Schick in the Euros. Um, love he, back, man. I'd love to see him back in Italy. He was great for for Sampdoria, of course. But then he w- he moved. He was meant to move to Juventus. He had a problem, I believe, with his heart. Actually, he failed Shit. his medical. Yeah, but then he went to Roma, where he flopped, and now I'm not even sure where the hell. He, I think he's in Germany, right? Yeah, Frankfurt. Patrick is Schick is playing with Bayern Leverkusen. Uh, Bayern Leverkusen. Okay, uh, I don't know how he's doing. Maybe you can tell us, David, how he's doing. I'm not too sure. On our next trip, where we we'll go to the Milan Derby. Yes, yes, yes. For sure. So, guys, that basically sums up episode 14 of Serie A Spotlight. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram. Um, engage with us, send us messages. How can we improve this? Any segments, any specials that you'd like us to cover? Uh, we've got a couple lined up for you guys, but the more ideas, the merrier. Thank you very much. Stay tuned on Instagram for our next round of the prediction series. And hopefully you won't see me calling this guy the Oracle anytime soon. Peace out. Love you.